0: The Bobsy Tunes twins coming to you live. Speaking <laughs> too long. Oh, so, we just love Decal. So we're here to introduce you to his new podcast. Let me tell you, he's fun and loving and witty and handsome and down to earth. And that's what we're here bringing you: Ether the Podcast. Yeah. Oh, Woo-hoo. yeah. You're listening to the Ether Podcast with your host, D. Cal. This is Sarah from Northern Cali, and you're listening to the Ether Podcast with D. Cal. Episode number 85 for the Ether podcast, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ether, the elephant in the room. Today, happy Wednesday. We're coming from the GNSHQ here in Northern California. I want to give a shout out to all my listeners out here in Warner Creek, California, as well as Phoenix, Arizona, as well as Illinois, Florida, Oregon, And we got a couple people out there in the East Coast. Thank you very much. Today's going to be a real light topic day. Kind of just talk about a couple of things that's going on in in the media. But as usual, what we're going to do is give you guys a way to follow us on social media, which is Instagram as well as Twitter. The handle is going to be the same, the ether, T-H-E-E-I-T-H-R. On TikTok, you can follow us. From our parent company which is the GNS Inc. T-H-E-G-N-S-I-N-C. Also want to go ahead and give a a little plug to our streaming channel we just put out not too long ago. So g n s e tv.com So if anybody out there who has a short film, a movie, music, anything like that that you would like to get put on our streaming channel, come next month, sometime in April, we are going to link it up to Roku. So our channel will be in people's houses who happen to have Roku on their smart TVs and smart devices, so on and so forth. So that should be able to get you guys in some exposure to an audience that you don't have. So if you have anything, email it to MrGNS at the GNS at Inc. .com. I want to go ahead and get that out of the way. So as usual, we'd like to give a shout out to everybody and s- start this thing off with a inspirational motivational. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna give the shout out right quick and I want to give a shout out to the Sacramento Kings. Um, anyone who's in the NBA to the basketball, the Sacramento Kings has been a doormat where you wipe your muddy shoes for nearly 20 years. And in the early 2000s, these boys were balling. And then right around the town, Facebook was created. Eh, kind of like my Raiders. They just fell by the wayside and you haven't really heard much about them. But right now, if the playoffs were to start today at this moment in the NBA, they are the second seed in the Western Conference, which is a huge leap forward compared to what they were last year and this is coach mike brown's first season with the team he's a former assistant for the golden state warriors so i'm going to give a shout out to them okay it's really important give credit where credit due because it's a fun team to watch man their first national game this year they put up like a hundred and some odd points was ridiculous and they won. So, they, they got some talent. So, I just want to give a shout-out to the Sacramento Kings, the NBA team here in, in Sacramento, California. Now, for inspirational, motivational, I want to go ahead and give this quote. Where well, the quote comes from Hicks and Gracie. And it says, Our fears don't stop death. They stop life. Which is I mean, I don't know how many times I've said this on different episodes, inspirational, motivational, but you can never get enough of that. So when fear, kind of want to give it to you, right? When fear takes over, it paralyzes you and you no longer live. You're more trying to survive. And it's usually when the situation becomes the most hectic, that's your time to shine. That's when you pull out what you didn't think you had in you, out of you, to become whatever it is that you plan on being. We're going to talk about John Morant on the other side of this break. It's your boy, Decal. Eat the podcast here on Spreaker or anywhere else you get your podcast. We'll be back in about 30 seconds. Sit right back. You know, there's nothing more sexier than a person who is confident. Especially confident without having to say it. You can just tell. How they walk. How they talk. Even how they casually dress. T-shirt and jeans. Yeah, see, to me, that's confident while comfy. Jot this down and check these out. Go online to mile.today. Again. That's Mail M-I-L-A.d, today. A G N S collection. <laughs> So, if you guys notice, today is going to tend to be more of a sports related day today. So, I don't really talk about sports on my podcast. Maybe I should talk about sports more on my podcast. I think because this one of the things where sports gets talked about damn near everywhere you go. And I want to make this a place where it's, it's not sportsy. But I don't want to make it politically. E, so I try to make it a little bit of everything, E. So, John Moran, if you guys don't know who that is, he's a guy, he's an extremely talented dude who plays for the NBA team, Memphis Grizzlies. And he's been in the media for some time where his squad has kind of made comments about the Golden State Warriors. I might going to say being has-beens, but... Basically, their four titles don't really mean much. You know, when you're at the top of the food chain, everyone wants to take a shot at you. The Phoenix Suns kind of, you know, made some jabs at the Warriors because slow starts, injuries, things of that nature. I think a lot of teams, again, on outside of them, a lot of teams feel players think that they're more than what they actually are, whether it's valid or not. But if you won... Four titles in six, seven years. You have a, some ground to stand on. Book your chest out. Well, the Memphis Grizzlies has not really won anything as far as a championship. This squad is great, man. They're a good-ass young team. And they're anchored by John Moran who unfortunately has been in the media for the past few days for something that happened, I believe, over this past weekend or at least towards the end of last week where they were at a nightclub um, or, or some type of event where he was on his social media page and he flashed a pistol. One of the biggest issues with John Morant At least that's in the media Is John Morant Has this Urge to prove That he is You know, he's hard He's a badass he's, he's street Okay If you come from that background It's a little bit easier to Mingle in that background If you don't come from that background the the last thing you want to do is for someone to pull your whole card and check you because then you'll get exposed right nobody wants to get checked or called out on something of that nature but it seems on the surface that's the, the path that John Morant tends to be taken listen, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes or what the scenario is you know, arguably, you're worth $200 million, bro. Like, the last thing you should be doing is flashing pistols on the internet to entice, to impress, to provoke anybody that's not in that world anymore. Right? You're, how old is he? He's, like, 20... 22, 23... 24, somewhere in that age range, right? And look, man, I try to explain this to people. When you come out of college, you come from, you know, whatever background you come from, and all of a sudden someone gives you seven, eight, nine-figured amount of you know, worth of money, you tend to lose your shit. You tend to think you're let's let's do it this way. You're the best player on your squad from elementary, from junior high school, high school, AAU if you go that route, junior college if you go that route. Then you get to the university, you have one of the top prospects in the country. I mean, you've always been the best player on your team everywhere you went throughout your whole life and then you get to the pros and then you make it. There's always gonna be some type of, some sense of arrogance for a person who has that kind of success. It's natural, it's natural. And the air you breathe is different for those who are literal. That's a metaphor. But the air you breathe with that kind of skill set is different than the air that's breathed by quote-unquote average players, average people. So I understand that you, you know, you might come across somebody who wants to challenge your manhood or somebody who wants to challenge, you know, who you think you are or... Call you out for being something that They claim that you're not Listen If you are a public figure like that The last thing you should want to do Is jeopardize your contract To impress Someone Who Literally Figuratively Financially And literally Is not on your level You see what I'm saying? You, as you get older, man, you just have different experiences and understanding of how life works. When you're young, you're invincible, right? You're untouchable. And like I said, when you have that kind of status and you make that kind of money, when you're on that kind of platform, it's easy for any of us to to sit so back and say, we would do something different. But remember how you were at 22, 23. Lord knows how I was. And if you would've gave me, 200 million at that age to play a sport and I'm one of the best in a professional league yeah I might get a little bit beside myself and that's kind of where the mentorship from the older players and everyone should come in and help guide you I'm not saying that's not what happened but generally speaking that should take place but granted John Morant John Morant is a grown man he's an adult so the team has suspended him initially was for two games. Then it came out to be indefinitely. So, I've heard one play say he's going to be suspended like 40, maybe 50 games. Because if you... There was an NBA situation where another player years ago brought the pistols to the locker room because of an altercation with another teammate. When you're at that level, I just feel, again, when you live life a little bit, you understand these lessons. You have to be smarter. I don't know if the leagues have it to where there's some type of gathering, group, meeting, counseling, where you explain to the young people, hey, listen, you are a walking franchise. You are a walking brand. Maybe they are. And maybe that, I'm just spitballing, but maybe that street life, because he grew up in a really good home, from what I've seen online, because I don't know him, He's grown up in a really good home, two parent home. He looks happy, from what I've been, from what I saw on social media about his past, and everyone understands. Usually, what you you want, what you don't have, you want what you can't have. So maybe that lifestyle is enticing to him. Maybe that lifestyle he is att- attempting to attract or impress is a lifestyle where he's like, "I'm the man to them." Right, I'm, I'm, I'm someone that they, I don't want to say they bow down to him, but he's probably someone that they idolize. And there's a difference between being idolized by your fan base at an arena, on social media, but when you walk out and you see kids sporting your jersey, wearing your shoes dressing like you. I mean, Alan Iverson was one of the first people doing what they can to dress and act and emulate you. It does have a different type of dopamine than likes and follows on social media because these are things that's happening in real life, real time. So I understand how that type of thing could get that dopamine going for someone at that age, and then when you recognize that people are in that light and they're giving you respect, where you're getting access to certain things that you normally wouldn't, it does have a different effect on how you can appreciate. I don't know if anyone remembers this film, but it's a movie called Deep Cover. Lawrence Fishburne was in it. It was also the first movie where Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg collabed together on a soundtrack. Came out back in 1991, maybe 1992. And Lawrence Fishburne plays an undercover police officer in Los Angeles. And it was a scene where he had disobeyed a direct order from his superior. A situation went down. And he met up with his superior to you know, make the next move, and the superior is like, "Listen, turning your gun, turning your badge, you come with me. You just, you disobeyed a direct order from me. You caused this, 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 this to happen, and he's trying to justify what he, why he did what he did, which, in theory, he was right. If you watch the movie, you kind of understand. If you remember the movie, then you recognize what I'm talking about. Well. As they're having this discussion about why he needs to turn himself in, turn in his badge, turn in his gun, why they didn't want him to make the move, his superior didn't want him to make the move. He's hit with this reality of confusion, and and he has his epiphany. And his supervisor, I'm, I'm kind of leaving things vague so I don't give away the film. But the movie's it's, it's a. I love the movie. was a great movie. And so, when he has his epiphany, his superior is basically telling him, "Listen, come with me to Washington. Come with me to Washington, right? You made these moves. You did this. You did that. You did the other. People recognize you. You're known. Your name, okay? We'll introduce you to the right people, right? We'll have some cash. We'll have some clout. We'll have we'll have some weight. You know, we'll we'll, we'll meet people in in high positions and." Basically says, I didn't get into this for that. And the Superior basically says, well, neither did I. But it's the spoils of war. It's the way it works, right? So, I didn't get into this law enforcement gig to do what it's doing. But when you understand the game, this is what it's about. And so, Lawrence Fishburne's character makes the reference, well, if it is... I've been wasting my time with you because I can get more clout and more money on the street than following your ass to Washington. I bring that clip of the movie up from Deep Cover because Jabba Rant could have the possibility of everything is fine, everything is cool here, but it might be too rigid, it might be too ain't it too safe those who understand what that means you understand what that means those who don't understand what it means to be too safe it's too vanilla it's too boring there's no excitement there's no thrill but then you go over here and you see the crowd having like obnoxiously amounts of fun and it's attractive you understand who they are you 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 understand what they're about but you don't see the direct danger with them you just see the fun and no one's bothering this group no one's threatening this group no one's provoking this group no one bothers them almost like almost every some people are afraid of them that's what you may observe again this is what i'm guessing his rationalization was by making this decision. So you mingle with them. They see who you are. They're, you know, impressed with you. You're impressed with them. Now you have more money than them, but in that world, money is nothing because they make their own money too. Basically what they can do, you can do what you can do. They can do. It just, they have a different type of accountants that deal with their funds. If you understand what I'm saying. So, you know, it, it's, it's a match made. You're a celebrity in the limelight. We're celebrities in the street life. Come hang with us. Come have some fun with us. You see all those people drinking champagne and all of it. Here's what we're doing over here. And it's enticing, it's exciting. Listen, I'm from Oakland, California. I understand what things may look like exciting. They have sideshows all the damn time growing up in East Oakland, all the time. And that looks fun. I remember when ghost riding was a huge thing in the Bay. It's fun. Listen, it's not like I never ghost rode my whip. Trust me, believe you me. I've ghost ride on the side of it. I've ghost rode on top of it. I've done all that fun stuff. And guess what? I was also 22, 23, 24 years old. See what I'm saying? So when you see that life and the fun, you don't really care about the danger. Because at that age, you're invincible. That could be part of the reason why Ja was, is attracted to that life. And so now you were this big time celebrity and you're kind of with these people and These people got enemies, so therefore, these are my friends. Well, the enemy of my friend is my enemy now. And because I am who I am, again, young age, multimillionaire, you now have some street connection. You feel, you think, you believe. I'm part of the crew. I'm cool now. But what we don't understand, it what goes on in the back end. We don't process the danger that we don't see just yet. We don't understand the consequences because I said this in an episode before, it isn't until the age of around 25 years old where the synapses in the other side of the brain connects. And that side of the brain is kind of where your conscious comes from. That's kind of where your, your, your data files of experience kicks in, where signs and lights and flashing of warning goes off at that age, 25, 26, then it's, oh, wait, hold up. Now depending on your decisions you made when you were 21, 22, 23, you can recognize those signs and in those, in those lights and walk away from what it was that you were involved in. But my mother's firstborn once said, what can take you a second to get into can take you a lifetime to get out of. So depending on what those decisions are at 21, 22, 23, by the time you're 25, 26, 27, you might be too deep into those decisions to sit back and say, okay, I quit. You're too invested. And here's the problem. You can walk away, but there's other people who might be invested in you that you cannot walk away from. And it's not always monetarily investments, it's time investment, it's expectation investment. It's the fact that someone name drops you to get something from somebody else and now you're walking away. Well, that's going to hurt their reward because they knew you. And being that you're walking away from them, hell, you're not going to make them look bad. They can't have that because they're receiving benefits off of your name. So there's a whole gamut of different things that could be happening, but when you are at that point in life, you don't necessarily recognize that. And apparently there's been videos where he has heavy issues of drinking. So I don't know if this is his way of coping with things. And listen, like the song says, man, some people drink to remember, some people drink to forget. Right, so And allegedly there's video of his father kind of partying along with him. That's the dangerous part. Because dad, if the rumors are true, dad is acting like your big homie versus acting like your father. He's acting as if he's the big man on campus and that's my son. You want to get to him, you got to get through me. It's that clout and that power and that instant fame can get to people's heads. And the problem with some people, they don't care about your celebrity because they can get what you can get too. So in essence, they're just as important as you are, just in different circles. You got to go through legitimate circles. They don't, and no one knows who they are. So they don't have to answer any questions. You see what I'm saying? So these could be issues that John Morant is facing and dealing with. I hope with this suspension, my man is able to sit back and say it isn't worth it. Because it is now fucking with his money. The reality of him not being able to get touched, they just touched his bank account he sat his ass down now he's probably going to go to these people and talk to them and they're going to probably hit him with the damn man if I was you I would have I done that he's not understanding you're, you're a cool person to hang out with but you also have to make your own decision and your decision was to hang out with us Okay, but well, that's your consequence. That's not our consequence, right? So hopefully, with this situation, he's sitting his ass down someplace, and then going to evaluate. Okay, I I need to I need to part way. Now, what he's going to have to process too is that street clout, that fame. There may come some embarrassment now, because now if he does decide to walk away and I'm not saying this will happen, but I'm saying there's a possibility that this could happen. But the people who he's associating with, if he cut ties with those folks, they could now make fun of him because he got scared. Oh, daddy took away your car keys, huh? Daddy put you on punishment, daddy put you on timeout. Yeah, the man tells you what to do and then you do what the man tells you to do. It could be that type of bullying. Am I saying that's what they're saying? No. But what I am saying is, I wouldn't put it past people like that to provoke and antagonize you to challenge your manhood, to challenge your cool. Listen, when you grow up in an an aggressive environment, aggression is primarily all you know. So you're either going to be the aggressor or you're going to be the aggressed. And I tell you right now, It's better to be the predator than the prey. So hopefully, his skin is thick enough to where he can take that criticism, if that's what they give him, and turn the other cheek and keep walking and get his lifestyle back together again, right? Because this whole club situation with the gun also happened to happen after one of their veterans Had a players-only meeting about accountability and everyone being responsible professionals. And it's almost like the next day that happened with Morant, with the gun. Listen, man. Everybody wants to be famous. Everybody wants to be rich and wealthy and everybody wants to be known. The almighty EA Ski once said, I ain't Tupac, keep your motherfucking eyes off me. Because what you don't understand, people, is for everything that you see that glitters, there's also something that's rotten. And when you make yourself known, you put a target on your back. The problem is you don't see the person who's attempting to snipe you. You don't see who has you in their scope. So the best thing to do, low profile. Listen, I said this before, if you're quiet, people think you're arrogant. If you're loud, people think you're cocky. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter how you see it. It doesn't matter how you try to make it logical. People are going to make their own assumptions about you, even based on shit you don't do. So you can do nothing wrong, and people will still hate you. Hell, remember, they killed Christ. So you can't please everybody. You you can't. So I hope John Morant gets all this situated. Now, with the Lamar Jackson issue, listen, I don't understand what this is an issue. Pay that man. But from a business perspective, I completely get why you don't pay Lamar Jackson. Here's why. Lamar Jackson is a hell of a quarterback. Lamar Jackson was also basically the whole offense that the Baltimore Ravens for the NFL has for the past few seasons. Now, for the past two to three years, he hasn't been able to finish an NFL season because of injury. But when you look at what he was doing up until these injuries, my man was balling. And out of 31 other teams, I can almost bank there's at least 28 to 30 who would want Lamar Jackson as their quarterback. Here's the issue. The National Football League, as I said this before, is the only professional sports team in America of the major force sports, sports, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, where your money is not guaranteed. So if a player was to get injured for that season or for their career, only a percentage of their contract they would get. Everything else for the most part is incentivized So that's why a lot of players negotiate for such high guaranteed contracts or guaranteed money in their contract. So when it comes to Lamar Jackson, his injury history and his style of play. Now, one of the biggest disrespects people have for Lamar Jackson is they don't see him as a quarterback. They see him as a wide receiver who can throw the ball. That's a high disrespect. And in some cases, it's also a racial profile because it's been known in the NFL for some NFL coaches, black quarterbacks aren't as smart as white quarterbacks. And this has been said by head coaches. I believe one of the head coaches were, what's my man's name? He used to coach for the Denver Broncos. Shanahan have said that. So, it's a belief that the black quarterback isn't as intelligent, when in actuality, most NFL coaches at that point in time, they weren't fond of the mobile quarterback. They wanted that pocket passer. They wanted a person who could stay in the pocket and and, and see the field and take the punishment. And well, you get a lot of athletic quarterbacks who instinctively If they see danger, they'll flee. They're not gonna stand there and face it to injure themselves for the greater glory. They're gonna do their best to avoid it. Cam Newton, Donovan McNabb, Michael Vick. Then you get quarterbacks like Josh Allen, even to a degree, Joe Burrow, who are also mobile quarterbacks. So the NFL is starting to go towards that. My biggest thing is if you have a coach or coordinator who can fit the offense around that QB, that's a better situation than a coach or coordinator trying to fit a QB into their system. I feel that's an old way of thinking and that's a method that people use to judge quarterbacks or to give the excuse of why this quarterback isn't or why this quarterback is So if your system doesn't show the strength of that QB and it shows the weaknesses of the QB, is that QB horrible? No, you put that QB in a bad situation and try to force your system on him. So with Lamar Jackson, in my opinion, he's never really put himself in harm's way per se, when it comes to his play like my Raiders, if you don't have the cash to pay them, you got to do everything you can to make sure you keep that money. Now, they put him on, Lamar Jackson, on this non-exclusive franchise tag where he's able to talk to selective teams to see if he can get a deal better than the one that the Ravens are offering him. If he does, then the Ravens can come back and attempt to match it. If they can then they'll get compensation with whatever the contract verbiage is. Two first round picks in a trade or or whatever the case is, they can buy a gift for him. I understand why the Ravens do not want to pay him the money. Because again, if we guarantee you this money and you get injured, we're SOL and FML. Cause we got to pay you the money. Two, the money goes to you. We can't allocate it to anybody else that comes on a possible market that we can get to build a team. Here's the problem. If you get a quarterback like that, since everyone wants to put all this pressure and all this attention on quarterbacks. Pay that. Man. I don't know what the problem is. Pay that, man. So, when it comes to Lamar Jackson... I'm all for him getting his money. That's just me. But I understand why the teams don't. Again, you play a gladiator-esque sport where men are running at each other with the impact of 20 to 30 miles per hour and crashing into one another for three hours. And it takes them 72 to 96 hours to recover. I get it. I get it. What say you guys? What do you think about the John Moran situation? What do you feel about the Lamar Jackson? Would you pay him? Let me know. You can go to the spreaker.com or you can download the spreaker app, fill a profile, and follow us here at the Ether. Instagram, Twitter, go ahead, the Ether, T H E E I T H R. Make sure you guys go to GNSE TV, create a profile, get a subscription. It's free. Next time you hear from us on Friday, we're going to be doing our What's Your Mile segment. M-I-L-E dot today. It's your boy, decal and we are out. You guys be good now. Peace.